You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how Payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have front row seats to all of the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night, and it is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like you've never felt before. Every moment means more with DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. Again, THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And as always, enjoy the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of Wada Hockey. Um, we've got a really amazing episode for you guys coming up. Coming to you live from Dallas, Texas, the home of pond hockey, uh, as it is right now. We've got videos out the wazoo of people just making their own ponds in their backyards with their pools, whether or not they know it's going to cost them thousands of dollars or not. We've got a fantastic show ahead of you guys. Uh, we are minus one, but we are plus one. Uh, so we're coming out even on this episode, and we'll dive a little bit deeper into that here in just a moment. Uh, first and foremost, uh, just want to say what's up to Patrick. How's it going? Are you uh, staying warm, staying uh, staying safe? Man, doing our best. We uh, Luckily, we're kind of smack dab in the middle of some critical infrastructure here up in Addison. So haven't been without power since this started, which certainly can't say the same for a lot of people. So uh, we've been super fortunate. Um, Brave the roads a little bit today. DNT was actually really clear, which I was surprised about. And of course, you know, there's ice everywhere and people are still doing 70 for God knows what reason. So just I was just <laughs> puttering along at 45 in the right lane, trying to stay out of the median and out of everybody else's way. Because I'm not used to driving in the snow. Last I mean, time I, I did. I yeah, don't think anybody I, is. Didn't go well. No, I my first wreck was because I was in high school and uh, rear-ended a lady driving by myself in snow. My mom was out of town. I had no idea what I was doing. So naturally, that was my first wreck when I'm by myself and she's. I give her a call and she's like, you know, <laughs> shit happens. Let it ride. If you're uh, fine, then that's all that matters. <laughs> well, glad that you're glad that you're safe. Um, we. Like I said, we are minus one. Uh, Jason is not with us this week. Um, he is he is overseeing the Parks and Rec for the beautiful city of Rowlett. Um, if you guys are listening from the Rowlett area, make sure to thank your uh, local Parks and Rec representative because they are the reason that the parks will be open back up. Uh, but our plus one today, besides myself, because I'm more of like a plus point one, uh, we have got... Uh, Dallas Stars legend, alternate captain to the Stars, friend to you and me, former uh, center left wing for the Dallas Stars, Phoenix Coyotes, Nashville Predators, 
Uh, New Jersey Devils. I mean, he ended his playing career with a total of 877 games in the NHL with 104 goals and 157 assists uh, for a total of 261 points. Uh, friends, neighbors, welcome Vern Fiddler to the show. Vern, how are you? I'm, I'm good, guys. It seems like I'm staying a little bit warmer than you guys, and uh, we actually can drive on our road. So I'm, uh, we've got full full fridge of groceries, and it seems like uh, on the online and on Instagram and all the videos I'm getting from Texas, you guys are getting a little taste of uh, the Canadian weather and winter, and uh, it looks like you guys are having a lot of fun with it. So good on you guys. Yeah, we are the we are the South. I guess we'll take the we are the North saying and we'll just uh, we'll tweak it a little bit. We are the South. <laughs> um, well, before we jump into uh, asking you a couple of questions about your career and about your time here in, in Dallas and Texas, uh, what, what are your thoughts on the recent cancellations of the games that we uh, that we just saw? We, we chatted a little bit about it uh, before the show. How do you feel everything was handled from the NHL standpoint? Obviously, it wasn't their call. Now that we've uh, taken a dive a little bit deeper into the situation, it was more on the city as opposed to the NHL. But how do you feel like everything was handled from from your point of point of view? Yeah, you know what? It's uh, it's 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 obviously one of those years with the pandemic, and uh, you know the NHL and the owners and um you know the cities are all kind of trying to work as it comes along at them and you know obviously the city of dallas was throwing a curveball yesterday with this winter storm so you know there's there's not much you can do with the with the storms that come flying in but you know the the nhl they they have to kind of the last thing these guys want to do is cancel a game because there's already been canceled games with the covid and and guys uh you know they're they're going to have to make up a ton ton of games and trust me, the last thing they want to do is cancel another game, never mind two. So they were probably waiting to the last minute before they made an announcement because they were probably trying to do everything in their power to, to, to make that game happen. And um, it sounded like there maybe just wasn't enough power in the city of Dallas to, to keep the American Airlines up. <laughs> well and, played. And, well, uh, well played. That was a great play on words. <laughs> but the same, at the same time, you got to keep people safe. The, the problem that uh, they ran into was I think a lot of people were already at the building and outside the building. So, you know, you put a few people at risk, but if they're out and driving and out and about in that, they're probably used to the, the, the roads and highways with snow on them. But, um, you know, it, you, you can't really, there's not much you can do with, with a curveball like that. Uh, they got to do what's best for the league and what's best for the city to keep everybody safe. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it's just an unfortunate turn of events the way that things happened that evening. Uh, luckily, they turned around today. They canceled the game, I believe, around 9 a.m. Uh, Central Standard Time uh, and just, you know, made that call really early. I believe they've also canceled tomorrow night's game. The Dallas Mavericks are supposed to play the Detroit Pistons uh, in Dallas. They've gone ahead and canceled that. Thursday, I believe the Stars are back in town to play once again. So we'll see kind of how the weather goes from there. Real quick, I do want to give a quick shout out to uh, Texas Hockey Apparel. I'm sporting their uh, their gray Texas Hockey Apparel green, black state of Texas hockey player hoodie. Check it out on their website, TexasHockeyApparel.com. Uh, Garrett has been reposting people on uh, on their makeshift ponds all week long so far um, and weekend long. So check it out. That's what I was wearing uh, before the game got canceled and uh, kept me warm the whole time. Super comfy. And as Jason would like to say, their their hoodies feel like a, a, it's just a warm hug all the time. Um, and mine's been mine's been keeping me super warm in this weather. Yeah, Patrick, it's like it's like my base layer. 
since you brought that up, has your wife stolen that yet? Because like I said, that, that hoodie is susceptible <laughs> to being stolen from now on. You know that. She has not tried it on yet, so I think we're safe for now. Okay. Once she tries it on, though. You're buying another one. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's have a little bit of fun. I mean, uh, Vern, you were with the team for quite some time. Um, you, you were you know, on, on record as saying you, know, you made Texas your home for quite a while. And, and, you know, it was it was a really cool experience to see you grow with the team and become the alternate captain at one point. But what was really cool is you made the transition from playing to coaching, uh, traveling down to Cedar Park to gain experience with the Texas Stars uh, and eventually landing as an assistant coach with the Kelowna Rockets of the WHL. Are you still coaching right now? Uh, pandemic aside. Uh, no, we're actually we're, we're still uh with the government uh, officials having allowing us to put a start date on our season, we've we've just been uh, sitting around doing nothing too. Our <laughs> our boys are uh, back in all in their hometowns all over Western Canada, and we're uh, we're hopeful that uh, we'll get something going mid March. But we're basically waiting for the government to allow us to to, to name or or to uh, go ahead with a start date. We won't have any fans in the building. We're we're basically just gonna have. 24 games in 48 days just to get these these kids in front of some scouts and uh, you know it'll be a grind but at least it's something I mean you know I I know for myself if I wouldn't have had my 20 year old year as an overage in the Western Hockey League I wouldn't have made it I wouldn't have got that uh, extra year of development and um, you know got in front of 50 scouts a night like like we we play in front of um, so you know it's really sad for the young men but. Uh, at the end of the day, we're hopeful and uh, we're crossing our fingers that we can get something rolling here in, uh, you know, mid-March, maybe early April. So uh, it'll be a grind for 20, 20 or 48 days, quick 24 games, but at least at least they'll get something in. And we're, we're really crossing our fingers and hoping that we can get that in. Yeah. Uh, and to kind of put it into perspective uh, for people that are listening that are uh, particularly Stars fans, uh, you accompanied not only were part of Kelowna, uh, Jamie Ben and Blake Como, two current Stars, also went through Kelowna at one point in their careers and played with the team. So this is not just uh, a, a flash in the bucket, you know, uh, organization. This this has pumped out tons of NHL stars. So uh, super important to keep those kids 24 games in 48 days. That's, that's a wallop on the legs. That's gotta be. Yeah. It's, uh, you know what? Kelowna, Kelowna is a, a great city. It's a, it's a, one of the, one of the, one of the most uh, decorated WHL franchises in the whole league. Um, I played here myself, obviously Jamie band, Blake Como, they, they, there's, walls of NHL guys and, and names that you could you could go down the list forever so it's uh it's definitely a unique uh junior team that has a lot of history won a lot of memorial cups and had a lot of success uh developing young guys and, and producing NHL players so it was an honor to come back here when I got uh, offered the position to kind of you know develop as a young coach I knew uh, in Dallas I had a nice cushy job there but at the same time uh, all my <laughs> all my family's back here and you know we wanted to get back to a little bit closer to the grandparents for a couple of years and uh, not saying that I'm I won't, I won't be back anytime soon but um it's uh you know we 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 definitely consider uh Dallas home and that'll be our I'll always be our home but we're just taking a little bit of an extra long vacation here to you know uh 
take advantage of some family time. Escape and, the cold. Uh, <laughs> and for me to develop as a coach. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so in your time with the, with the stars, uh, you know, I think it was pretty obvious to see that you were a locker room guy. You, you kind of kept, uh, kept the mood light. Uh, you, you seem to always be having, uh, you know, just having fun playing the game and boosting morale. Who are some other notable locker room guys that you spent your time with in the, uh, within your career in the NHL? Not maybe just with the stars, but overall, who were some of your most notable and favorite locker room guys to be in there with? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I had, uh, I always had really good luck with teammates. I always had, um, you know, when I was a younger kid, 20, 21 years old, coming into the Nashville organization, Scott Nickel, uh, he really took me under his wing. And he taught me that, um, you know, there's times when you, you need to lighten the room up, but, but there's also times where you need to be uh, a stern leader and a guy that your teammates know you're, when you get on the ice, you're going you're gonna to bring it. And it's, it's all about effort. No matter how much skill you had, there's one thing you can control is, is uh, how, how hard you worked and what you brought to the table. And as far as competing, you could always bring that. You know, maybe you're not going to win every battle, but as long as you know your teammates know you're going to show up. He was one of those guys that really instilled that in me because there was nights where he'd be joking around before the, begin, the start of the game and we'd be just dying laughing. And then we'd get in the game. And I was a young kid, right? So I just thought the game was going to be easy and you didn't have to focus. And he would come after the first period and just rip me a new, you know what? And I learned a lot from him <laughs> that the timing of when to be, you know, pissing around, and then when t when it was time to work. And when you stepped on that ice, it was time to work. And you know, in, in the dressing room, I was a guy. I always kept it light. I was, you know, joking around, and you know, if obviously I was serious, I took my job serious. But I, I could, I had a pretty good read of when something needed to be lightened up in the room or, you know, someone maybe needed to be knocked down a notch if they're getting a little bit too confident, say something to them where everyone would kind of, you know, laugh or maybe start chirping at them a little bit to kind of bring them down. But uh, we always had a, a great group of guys in, in, uh, in, in Dallas with, uh, you know, I remember my first couple of years there was Steve Ott and Trevor Daly that used to drive into the rink and, and you just had a blast with them. You couldn't wait to get in the car to get, telling stories and and uh, get ready to and then go on the ice and battle with them because you knew they were going to bring a, everything they had that night so it was that uh, we've always had a really good group of guys in dallas yeah you bring up uh daily and ott man those are some guys that i miss on a regular basis daily uh just retired i mean that guy had a hell of a career he was in the show forever uh but yeah i mean it's it's amazing to see the evolution. Um, speaking of, do, are you keeping up with the NHL day to day now, or are you uh, pretty I focused am. on the home life? No, I uh, my son's uh, my son's thirteen, so he's into all his fantasy, and he's uh, he goes to a, a big hockey academy here. They go to school till uh, noon every day, and then they they do all their off ice uh, workouts and skating up uh, in Penticton, British Columbia, which is about forty five minutes south of Kelowna. But they have this fantasy league, and that's all they talk about. So we've really uh, honed in to every team, and uh, you know we really enjoy watching the Canadian div division because it's you know it's all of our homeland teams, and there's uh, there's been some really good uh, battles started between you know teams like Toronto and and Calgary that we usually don't see. They only play once uh, a home and away each year. 
So, you know, these three-game segments have really brought out these playoff uh, playoff atmospheres during the regular season. And it's, you know, there's games where you wish there was a fourth game just to kind of see what that would bring out. But um, we've really enjoyed watching it. We're on the, you know, Pacific time zone. So, you know, those the, the we're not usually home for the out east games. So we'll maybe catch a little bit of the oh, central, yeah. central uh, time zone games. And then we usually catch all the, the ones out in mountain and Pacific time. You got yeah, any uh, division? Go ahead, Patrick. You got any fantasy tips? Because my team can <laughs> certainly use you some know, help. You know, <laughs> Patrick, it's funny you bring that up. We're playing each other right now. This week is Patrick oh, and hell. I's week. So it's Patrick's. What what place are you in now? The the fifth place. Patrick's fifth place team with a sad emoji. Um, I'll have to pull it up and let you know. I, I was confident. Well, you're name... you're gonna get defeated. My team name is uh, Kachuk. If you buck, because I got the Kachuk brothers on the team. And I think I'm averaging like 80 hits a week. So I, I didn't mean to suck you into fantasy talk just as you thought you'd escape. But here we are. Um, that I, being I said, down, I dropped down to fifth place, by the way. So I need okay. to update my team name. Even yeah, I'm going to need you to from update that team. Third man. place. Um, and, and what areas uh, I just talked about hits and, and how high my hit hit count is, I guess you could say. But you don't see a lot of hits uh, in, in this day and age. So do you feel like that area of the game has changed the most? And if not, what area of the game do you feel like has made the, the biggest transition from the time that you played to now? Yeah. You know what? It, there is a huge difference. The, you know, the, the, you know, having a son that plays minor hockey, it's it, uh, you see why the game is changing so much. And, you know, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but you know, at, at the end of my career, some of these kids that were coming in, for example, like, um, Kevin Fiala in Nashville and, uh, you know, some of these young kids that come in, their skill level is outrageous. Like it's just, it's at a whole nother level where, you know, I, I, I always like to use my backhand and I thought like, well, I got decent skill that well, I don't have anything on these kids. And I think the biggest <laughs> reason because of it, because of the, 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 all the coaching they have, like you, you look at, for instance, my, my son and his team, they have a skills coach, they have mental coaches, they have skating coaches, they have, you know, hitting coach. They have every every kind of coach you can name. They have that somebody in their corner teaching them something. So, you know, every day they're learning a different skill, whether it's a toe drag or a push and push and pull shot, whatever. They 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 constantly have a puck on their stick. Um, they're always working on their edges with their skating. They they, uh, they have outdoor rinks to go try this stuff at. They, they're on the ice a couple hours a day where, you know, we were taught in Canada at my age, like wh whoever could dump the puck the best and get the puck down low and play that heavy game. That's, that's what we learned how to do. We all had to skate, be strong skaters, obviously, to make it to the NHL. But the skill level that these young guys are coming in with is, you know, you're seeing these uh, lacrosse goals all over the place. Like, that was unheard of when I was growing up. Like no one could do that. For one, the sticks you couldn't do it because they were wood, and for two, we just didn't have the skill level. <laughs> You're seeing like these behind the legs, and you know all all these kids are so creative. It's it, you know I give them a lot of credit because for one, they they got the balls to try it, and for two, they work on it so long that they master it and they can do it. So. You know, there's there's a lot more skill. Back in my day, there was a little bit more physical play, and you had to set the tone that way. But these young kids set the tone now by 
making these dazzling plays in the neutral zone or, you know, high end between the legs, move around a D-man, cutting his hands off and taking the puck to the net. So, um, you know, there's a huge difference, but I like the way that where the game's going. Like you watch these games and, um, you know, like, like the Edmonton and um, who did Edmonton play last night? Uh, oh, didn't they? It wasn't the Maple Leafs, was it? Because the Maple Leafs got well, they were going uh, back and played, forth. Like, uh, I know that was Ottawa. That was Ottawa. It, it was just yesterday. like it was, it was sick. No, they, lo- they ended up losing, but it was like the, the game was just back and forth, goal after goal. McDavid, Drysaitel, Chase on had a couple goals. Like it was just like that's the kind of game you want to watch. Like obviously in the playoffs, a one nothing game is fun to watch when it's playoffs, but. During the regular season, I want to see goals. I want to see plays. I don't want to see how good a goalie is. Like, I'm a guy that I like to see offense and, you know, and then it's created from defense. So, like, I, I've really liked where the game's at right now. Well, that being said, you, you did mention one thing that was kind of your go-to was the backhand. Um, what what uh, what areas of the game do you kind of wish were, were still around from, from when you were, say, you know, and say in Dallas? Like, do you do you wish that more guys would try for the backhand? I know Garyanov with the team right now is real big on the backhand, but do you uh, do you see a part of the game that you wish people would kind of bring back? I wish that you could hook. You know, you know, you know the old school like slingshot <laughs> forecheck. You hook the guy and you. Oh yeah. Like I don't know why they took took that out of the game. Um, I I'd like to I'd like I like that clutching and grabbing. Like I think it makes guys compete harder. Obviously, it slows the game back down, but. Like, you watch these old games of, like, you know, like even Bob Basson. I watched a game. It was a throwback game a couple of weeks ago. And Bob Basson was trying to kill guys out there, hooking them, <laughs> slashing, elbow and face. Like, it was just crazy. So, you know, you like to see the physical side. And now someone gets hit, and it's automatically a headshot and a suspension. Like, you know, like if you got your head down, oh, yeah. you got your head down coming through the neutral zone, that's your fault. Like obviously you want to take the dirty 100%. stuff. One hundred percent. There's there's times where a good hit's a good hit, but the ref's so scared to make a mistake and get in trouble from the league that he just calls an automatic penalty. You know, there's four of them out there. Like I, there there is hitting still left in this game, and there's barely any fighting. So mm-hmm. hitting is the thing that can keep these players honest, and I think they got to allow a little bit more of that hitting. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think it's funny that you brought up the fact that you know guys are are. you know a little dirtier when they're in the in the corners like that and you got guys playing for their lives i mean a prime example i was watching tampa bay yesterday and an old star jamel smith got in a scrap and all i could think was he's just fighting to stay on that team and i know i don't get me wrong i I completely understand that the cte and the studies behind it and, and wanting you know player safety first but i mean those hits and those fights sometimes that's that's the difference between staying on that team and you know being in the minors or getting That's right. waived. Yeah, he's just trying to make make a name for himself and stay there. I mean, it's bugging me now that uh, oh the Jets, Winnipeg Jets. That's who they're playing. right back and forth. Looks like they fell to Shifley, who's done some damage against the Stars recently. Not this year, obviously, but one goal, two assists. Kyle Connor, Neil Pionk, Blake Wheeler. Looks like 10 different guys had points in that game. That's yeah, Patrick, solid. I think you, I think, I think we talked about this earlier. Uh, speaking of the Northern uh, teams specifically over kind of towards where Fitz is at now on that side of the, uh, 
on that side of the nation. Uh, there's a team, Van Vancouver, the Vancouver Canucks, and they had a, a coach at a, at a time. That's right. I think you are, you are an incredible segue artist. That takes us to I our mean, next question, which is I'm just the, dishing the Beaksa impression. What's the backstory? What spurned it? Any other solid impressions you want to share with us? Well, you know what? Uh, we had, we had always played against each other, uh, Kevin and I, and uh, we started. Uh, we came into the pros at, at about the same age. Like we're both, I think, eighties, or he might be a seventy nine or eighty one, whatever. One year, maybe uh, age difference. So we came into the minors at the same time. He was playing in um, Manitoba Moose, and I was playing in Milwaukee, and we were constantly playing each other. And it was the same thing. Like we constantly were at each other and scrapping and slashing and hacking each other. And then we both kind of made the jump to the NHL the next year. And same thing. Like he was in Vancouver, I was in Nashville. So you you know you'd play each other four to six times a year. And it was just always something like we'd get yapping at each other. And, you know, this was probably my seventh, eighth year in the league against playing against them. And we were in Vancouver or in, we were in Dallas and Dan Hamus had just got signed uh, there. And I played with Hammer in Nashville and, and uh, we were out for dinner the night before. And I told him, I said, I just can't handle this BXA kid. Like he's like, he told me, he goes, if you guys are on the same team, you guys would be best friends. And I, I said, well, I said, I don't know. I said, I don't know about that. And I said, he's always got that bitter beer look on his face. Like he's always pissed off at everybody. So we were, uh, I was in a, I was at the face off dot and I got kicked out and I went to the wing and he slashed me on the top of the, the laces. And I, he's like, let's, let's go. And I'm like, no, I ain't, he was, he's tough. Right. I'm like, I ain't, I ain't fighting this fucking guy. So then I just started making faces at him and then, he was kind of chirping at me and I, I skated by the bench and I, he was sitting on the bench and I gave him the old, what I thought looked like him. And, 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 and I mean, it was pretty spot on. Yeah. He saw me and he just couldn't stop laughing. And I, I had no idea. Like I didn't even know that I just went back to the bench and mind my own business. And, uh, uh, that night I went home. I remember I got home and we we're, I, was, I think it was a day game and I got home that night and I was watching hockey night in Canada and Jamie phoned me and he said, what the hell did you do to BX? And I'm like, I, I have no idea. Like, I didn't even think of it, right? And he goes, it's viral on the internet. Like, he goes, you're going like, it's going all over the place because Vigneault was laughing so hard. <laughs> that's, that's the gist of the story. I mean, that's something that I, I, I've always gone back to. And, and it's just one of the funniest one of the funniest hockey clips I think I've ever seen because you you see your face and you're you're doing the shoulders and it's almost like a Connor McGregor before Connor McGregor type walk and then you flash <laughs> to him on the bench and he is just it's funny because like you said he's just got like kind of a bitter beer face mug but yeah. he's trying so hard not to break and then it just yeah. happens and the, yeah. you've got the commentary going and everyone's in on it the people behind him are laughing at him it was yeah. just it was peak comedy gold. Yeah, coach trying to cover up his face with his note the, card the there. Yeah, he, he's cracking up. Well, you know what? You know what's funny about it is like so. Vancouver is only four hours uh, uh, from us west, right? So like, uh, Kelowna, British Columbia, where I am, like everybody's a Canucks fan. Like I mean, everybody. Like there's a lot of Alberta people here from oil and gas. Like they all buy places here on the lake. But I'll go to the grocery store. And, and it was the worst. It couldn't have happened to a worse team because it's all, they all, they all 
watched the game. So coming back to my summer house where I was, you know, you kind of stay under the radar, right? I'd be at the grocery store and people would be coming up. And that was the funniest thing. And people would be driving by my, uh, by my house and yelling at me, do the BX a face. I mean, I'd go to a restaurant and <laughs> oh I'd, have, I'd have people coming up to me and all oh, give us a BX a face. And, like, I, I, it was just like, if I would have done it and it would have been against the New York Islanders, I would have never heard about it again. But being now, I come back here every summer, we came back to Kelowna and that's their team. So it was like, I've heard, I, if I got a dollar for every time <laughs> someone asked me to do that face, I'd be very wealthy. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Um, well, I can, I can safely say that's probably, uh, if, if I were to bring your name up to a lot of stars fans, that's one of their favorite memories of you on the ice. Um, but speaking of, of memories on and off the ice, what, what would you say is probably, uh, your fondest memories here as a Dallas star one on the ice and then one off the ice? Probably my favorite memory, uh, in Dallas was, uh, like it was always so fun in, in the playoffs because you'd come out and you could hear the fans underneath in the dressing room before that like first home game. I remember playing, where did we go? I think we were in Anaheim the first two games. And I remember coming home for that third game and like, you know, the buzz is around town and everyone's at the games and it's sold right out. They got stuff going on outside the rink and, and just coming out for those playoff games. I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, I remember it was like probably like the, 18th minute of the first period of my first playoff game in Dallas and I remember I, I'm pretty sure I said it to Brandon Morrow I go like are these people gonna sit down and he goes no in playoffs here everyone stands the whole game and I'm like holy fuck I felt bad for my parents because yeah. I'm like they're gonna have to stand the whole game because you know they're <laughs> They're not used to that. And I, I remember actually having the, the next, the next uh, in game four, I remember my dad saying to me, he said, like, I, I can't stand the whole game. We're going to have, and I, so we ended up moving him into a seat. <laughs> um, you know, those were always great memories. The, the building would get rocking. And, uh, you know, there was always, there was a couple other, uh, you know, incidents. I remember uh, my breakaway falling, uh, Lindy Ruff or, I think it was like four or five games left and we were really hanging on for a playoff spot. And we went to a shootout against Nashville, my old team and played with Pekka for years. He knows I have one, I had one move, my backhand shelf move. And um, out of nowhere, I'm sitting on the bench, like basically got my skates untied. I'm like, there's no way I'm shooting. Like I, I had, I had just taken a face off at the end of the third period and Lindy Ruff was our coach and a couple shooters went and, Nobody scored, and I remember Roos going to me, Fitz, you're up. And I'm, I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, Lindy said you're going. I, he had tapped <laughs> me on the back, and I didn't even – I just didn't think anything of it. And I looked back at him, and he goes, Fitz, you're, you're, you're up. And I go, I got no fucking edge on my skate. I said to Sudsy, I go, Sudsy, you got to do something. Sudsy, Steve Sumner is our equipment guy. He's just stoning my skate. And he looks at me and he goes, you, 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 you can't turn left to right. And I said, that's fucking all I got. That's my only move. I'm, <laughs> going, all I got. <laughs> I'm going backhand, backhand cheese toast. I'm like, he's like, well, he goes, I wouldn't turn that way. And I go, well, I said, I got to fucking try. So I remember I'd, <laughs> always, I'd always come with speed <laughs> And I was thinking, there's no way he just stoned, and you know he had the 
thing on my skate. <laughs> and I said, there's no way I'm going down. And I remember I swung out. Then I came back in and I went to go back left to right, like to cut in. And I lost an edge at the blue line and I went down and the puck went ahead of me. And I'm just thinking in my eyes, like, and I think if we, we, we didn't get two points in that game, I think we were, it made it tougher for us to make it that needed. We needed to keep it alive. And for him to put a, you know, I was a veteran guy. I'm pretty sure that's why he did it. You know, I was going to probably be a little bit calm and cooler than some of our younger guys. And yeah. I remember, I, I remember Pekka, Rene kind of gave the old, oh, I should go out at him. And then the puck wasn't far enough. I grabbed the puck back and he knew I was going backhand shelf. And I went <laughs> to go backhand shelf. I pulled it back to my forehand and I don't know how it went in, but it went in. And I remember coming to the bench after and, and I was pissed. Like I'm for one, I'm like this, this can <laughs> picked me to go on a shootout. And, and I didn't have an edge on my skate. I told him that. And, you know, we our season was on the line. I got back in the dressing room after, and I'm like, well, I'm walking around. I'm like, he's like, what happened? I go, I had no fucking edge on my skate. He goes, I, I go, why Why would you put me? Like, I'm not a defensive guy. He goes, we were looking at it before, and your numbers, like, shoot out. He was like, you were whatever, five for 15 or whatever. You had one of the best percentages. So, He's like, I've seen your backhand move. I, f- I figured you're you're going to do it. So it worked out. So that's where that came from. There you go. What would you say uh, you look back fondly on uh, as far as off the ice? Obviously, you guys spent a lot of time here. Uh, you say you call it home. How, how do you feel about the off the ice stuff? Yeah, you know what? The the people were amazing. We we lived in Frisco. We were uh, – when I first – uh, signed with the stars we you know we contacted other players and stuff and the majority of the team lived out in Frisco and at first we were like oh, I'd like to be a little bit closer to the rink but ended up being like you know our new hometown we were uh, we were out there for uh, almost 10 years uh, my kids basically grew oh, wow. up there. they went to school there when I left to go to uh, New Jersey my my family just commuted they stayed and we wanted to keep them in school and their sports um, so I'd have to say that the community that uh, we, we, we were involved in, um, obviously the Texas people were so outstanding. Like it didn't matter whether we won or lost. They were always very gracious at grocery stores and, you know, you'd be at the mall and people would be very polite and never, you know, make you feel uncomfortable. And I always would treat the kids outstanding. Like my kids would, my wife would bring my kids down to the, to the uh, glass to watch warm up. My kids were, you know, eight and nine at that time. And, you know, they were always like Mm -hmm. making ways to make them feel special. And and that's why uh, we love Texas so much. My kids are all the, all about the yes, sir. Yes. You know, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Opening doors like the Texas Mm -hmm. ways. uh, I'm very grateful that my kids got to to 10 years of, of living in that, to see that that's, that's how you have to act and that's how you have to, treat people with the utmost respect and you're polite and you're, you're gracious to, to, to everybody that walks your way. And, uh, that, that's one of the things. And then my charities that I always, uh, the people were so great with all my charities, FIDS kids. We had a chance to meet a lot of unfortunate kids that were battling cancer and got to meet so many great people. One of my number one fans that I'm sure you guys know, Chloe, she was, she was one of the, my first FIDS kids mm-hmm. that came out to our game and she was fighting cancer, fought leukemia twice. So um, just meeting all these kids that, you know, we could get them out of the hospitals and, and, and take them away from what they were actually going through that day and have them at games. That was a huge accomplishment on my wife and, and my part that 
we really enjoyed to meet all those people and help them out as much as we could and give back to the community that uh, was so good to us. Well, I can definitely uh, attest to uh, the whole Southern Southern uh, hospitality and we would, we look forward to bringing you back uh, to the area and hopefully at that time we can say that you're back in the starters organization in one way uh, or the other, because uh, we'd, we'd love to have you back. We loved when you guys are, when you were here as a star and obviously enjoyed having the, your family think fondly of the area. And and if you haven't been back to Frisco, it's blown up. I mean, it's yeah, unbelievable. No, we're aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about hockey and, and obviously there's some, uh, some Southern hospitality thrown in there. You know, Texas is known for country music, and everyone wants to know, because there's a rumor that was going around for quite some time that uh, you caught George Strait's hat at a concert? I did, yeah. We were, uh, it was actually me and Marty, Marty Turco and I were at, uh, God, we were, I don't know, we were somewhere like a week before, and we were, you know, fixing to kind of get to this concert, and one of our buddies that, uh, that we both knew from Nashville he was coming in and he called me like just coincidentally called us like both four days before and said, Hey, listen, I'm coming into town. I, I want to get after it. Like we're coming in for George Strait, Like, and he worked for George Strait, So, you know, he was, he always would connect us with different country stars when we were, when I was playing in Nashville and then when Marty would ever visit Nashville. So we kind of hooked up and Marty and I, we, at first we didn't go together, but we ended up together at, at, in this EJ's, uh, Bernice's seats and he was working so he had all the backstage and we had all that you know the VIP passes and all that and you know we were getting after it having our vodkas and you know we're, the concert was unbelievable like they had every country music star in town like Kenny Chesney came up and they did all these duets it was the Cowboy Rides Away concert it's it's on Apple Music if you ever want to mm-hmm. listen but they had you know Alan Jackson came in, Martina McBride, all these celebrities would come up and they'd sing duets with them. So we got almost right to the end and the the, the band was, or the uh, stage was uh, like, it was uh, going in a circle. What do you call that? Like it was on like a. Oh, rotating. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like rotating. Sorry, rotating yeah, yeah, yeah. So like sometimes you'd be at the back of the stage, but then you'd be at the front. And then we figured because like we kept looking around and there was people crying. Like there was 110,000 people <laughs> at AT&T stadium, right? Like yeah. it was just like a 10,000 person concert. And uh, we're having a hell of a time. And like, I just love country music. I grew up in Alberta, uh, Canada. And it was like, we had nothing but a country station, like the old stuff, like, you know, Alan Jackson, Merle Haggard, Buck Owens, like old school shit. So George Strait was obviously one of my favorites and we just were having a hell of a time. And, and then we were, we were no, we knew we were going under backstage after to, you know, to say hi. And there's other celebrities there and other athletes there. So, you know, we were looking forward to that. And our buddy was behind us and me and Marty and his wife and my wife were all sitting four seats. And our buddy EJ says to me, he goes, Hey, listen, he goes, he's going to sing this song. And then he's going to go off the stage and he's going to come back out and sing Cowboy Rides Away for his encore. And then he's done. But then he's going to throw his cowboy hat. So he's like, keep your eyes, keep your eyes and, you know, your arms up. And I'm thinking to him, yeah, like, like 110,000 people, like I'm going to wait for him to fucking chuck a cowboy hat. Like there's no chance. Right? <laughs> so he comes out and he just kills Cowboy Rides Away and a couple of the other 
you know, celebrities get up and the band's like, you know, they're doing the delay and they're, they do one more course and they, it's, it's almost not ending. Right. And so he finishes the song and everyone's up and like everyone stands up and everyone's just like giving him the standing ovation. Then he walks off the stage. So I said to my wife, I go, well, so much for him throwing that cowboy hat. And all of a sudden he turns around and he starts walking back out and he, he grabs his hat. And I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain that he was waiting for that, that stage to get to a certain point because he was throwing it to someone in his family. Right. So like it was perfectly <laughs> climbing. I'm not kidding. Like, it, like the, the, like, I don't know, like if you guys have ever seen it on, it's, it, it's actually on YouTube. Like they, someone, someone has it on CMT, put it on YouTube. Oh and he gosh. waits till it comes around and there's like all, it must've been his grandkids or something. And he goes to chuck this hat and it like, I stand up as it comes out and it landed right on my chest. <laughs> so I just grabbed it. And I mean, there was like a swarm of people around us, right? Like they were everybody. I had the guy take off his Rolex watch and be like, I, my wife wants that hat. I'll trade you this watch. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm keeping it. Like I love country music. So then I'm just thinking like I got this hat and I'm just, I put it right on my head and we're sweating. It's like a hundred degrees. <laughs> right? And uh, I'm thinking in my head and then finally the cops, all the cops show up and like, there's like eight cops and they got me surrounded. Like they got like a big ring around me there. They got to oh, get wow. me out of there. Right. Because everyone's like grabbing out my clothes and they want this hat. Right. And uh, so they put us around and we had all the VIP passes. So they walked us, like they got us under the stage. And my wife, like my wife thinks I have a horseshoe shoved up my ass as it is. Cause she thinks I, I just, everything. <laughs> the place, right. She goes, you are the luckiest fucking guy I've, I've ever witnessed. Like, she's like you win everything. You win every bike you put your name in for you and everything. So I'm thinking, well, I got to get, I said to my buddy EJ, I go, I got to get this thing signed. And he goes, oh, no, no problem, 100%. Like, we'll, we'll wait for him to do his media, and then we'll go out there. And so I took the hat off like this. I actually got it upstairs in my in my uh, closet. But uh, I grab it like this, and there's a there's a, a authenticity uh, certificate in it. There's his autograph, <laughs> Cowboy oh, wow. Rides Away, with the date. So I was like, I don't even have to wait to get it signed. So we waited, and we waited. And I ended up we, – we didn't end up meeting him because we, we had to get out of there. But – uh, when he came and dropped the puck at our game uh, when I was working for the Stars a couple of years ago there, Brendan Morrow brought it up to him because Mo knows him. And he said, this is the guy that caught your hat. And he goes, he looked at me and George Strait's like, cool ass voice. He's like, I always wondered who caught that hat. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I did. <laughs> that's like the end of a movie. That's like the end of a yeah. country music movie. Like, yeah. that's how... <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's uh, man, I, that's that's crazy. And I was gonna ask because I remember I was at the game, and it was I felt so bad for Selena Ray at that game too. Oh yeah, because you have George Strait, the king of country, dropping yeah. the puck, and then the national anthem comes on, and people are assuming, yeah, he was, hey, gonna this, yeah. And I heard a couple oh, boos, and I was like, oh, this is so bad. <laughs> but yeah, I felt so bad for Selena Ray because it's like. Even even if he drops the puck, you got to follow up the king of country. Like yeah. she's fantastic, but yeah, that's that yeah. was insane. Yeah, man, that so uh, gonna follow this up. This is an awesome. That's an awesome story about it. Just Texas one second. Legend. Just gonna plug this in. No worries. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Sorry about that. 
I was going to say, so that was awesome story about one Texas legend. So I wanted to, to segue into another Texas legend, which is this podcast namesake, which is Whataburger and wanted to check with you on one. If you're a Whataburger fan from your time down here. And if so, what is your go-to order? I honestly have never had a Whataburger. Oh my goodness. (sighs) I'm a, I was more of an in and out, in and out kind of guy. Oh no, man! Oh my goodness, we we uh, well one, there's always room to grow, uh, and two, <laughs> we the first water burgers on me. I'll write that down if you come back to Dallas. We'll have to make it happen because that's like a that's like a Hatfield and McCoy's uh, situation down here. That's okay. That's. I mean, we're all we're all a little. It felt like just like I got punched in the chest by Vern Fiddler and <laughs> on the boards. <laughs> no, well, uh, I mean, we can't appreciate you taking the time, uh, or we can't appreciate you enough taking the time and, and chatting with us and giving us a little insight on your time here in Dallas. Um, are you currently working with any charities or any nonprofits that we can you know toss out there for the listeners to take a look at? Maybe uh, you know donate towards. Um, not, I, I'm not right now. We've been, uh, we've been, uh, just helping out with the food bank here in Kelowna a little bit. There's, uh, you know, some, some issues there with the pandemic and that, but I plan if we come back down to Dallas there to, to, to get the, uh, my golf tournament going, we had a Fiddler Fights, uh, cancer charity golf tournament that, uh, so if you want to tell anybody we're looking for that in the near, near future here, we had a really good turnout the last time we raised over a hundred thousand dollars for kids with uh, leukemia and, um, but help out, help out as much as you can right now. There's a lot of people in stress with, with COVID and, you know, you, you don't see it, see it all the time, but anywhere you can help with these charities, they've probably taken the biggest hit out of anything. People don't have their wallets open like they usually do, but, uh, anything helps and uh, keep your eye on some of these charities and not, not just cancer, but there's, there's uh, food shelters and other things that you can help with. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, you know, we want to help out any way that we can, uh, especially with the weather, the way it's been, I know that's been uh, pretty harsh on a lot of people in, in your area and our area as well. Um, uh, but that's really all we had for, for this. Uh, again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we have a couple of sign offs, uh, I'll go ahead and take Jason's as he could not be with us. Uh, and, and Vern, don't take this in a weird way, but his sign off is stay moist. Uh, it's a purely <laughs> hockey team thing. Uh, you just got to roll with it. Uh, shout out to the pylons on that one. Uh, Patrick, uh, if you want to toss your sign off there and then we'll see if Vern Fiddler's got a sign off and we'll call this a wrap. Yeah. My sign off is you got to stay sassy. That's my new year's re- resolution. Every, every year. My wife said, I don't, I didn't give enough attitude just in life in general. So I said, you know what? All right, I'm going to be a little bit sassier next year. And that was four years ago. So <laughs> still going strong. Vern, you have a sign off? You want to you wanna toss Please. a sign off out there? You guys are really putting me on the spot. But before I sign off, I do want to – you got to connect me with who makes those sweaters because uh, I know my wife and my – kids will all want one of those so oh yeah absolutely this is the texas hockey apparel company i'll be happy to send you the profile on twitter and get you set but, up uh, my sign off but we have we have a thing in my house uh, that we say when we're going to the rink and it's four check back check paycheck so i'll sign off with that yes perfect send it. and last but certainly not least do not ever for any reason forget your kermit tattoos